don't waste your singleness where you don't use it truly as a gift because yeah. the thing they have is wisdom and experience. Right. The right. thing you have that they don't have is time. Well, hi, everyone. Welcome to Framework Leadership, a podcast about principles and ideas you can use today to take your leadership to the next level. I'm your host, Ken Engel, president of Southeastern University. And I'm your co-host, Michael Steiner, vice president for innovation. And we have a great guest today. We're excited to welcome Grant Skeldon. Grant serves as the next-gen director at Think Media and is founder of Initiative Network. He's a speaker, missionary, author with a passion for serving and leading the next generation. Man, it's awesome to have you with us today. Yeah, I'm, I'm honored. Seriously, you guys are one of the most innovative schools I know. Ah, uh, well, thank you. We're it's looking huge. forward to our conversation. In fact, to start out the conversation, let's talk about your ministry and your work with Think Media, uh, helping, again, equip uh, uh, ministry leaders. How is this organization helping others grow in their faith and gain wisdom throughout their leadership? Uh, I think it's with such a divided time right now. Mm -hmm. Often I've been saying, especially when it comes to the next generation, which we have such a heart for, is uh, I've been saying sometimes it seems like this next generation has been coddled by their parents. Um, Mm. Not all, but I will say I've been preaching this a little bit more, and I can tell parents like kind of nudging each other when I'm sharing this is they can be coddled by their parents. Then they end up being criticized by their bosses. Mm. Uh, They're consumed with technology often. Um, sometimes they can then also be confused by the culture. And so it's very divided. I personally think it's the enemy's tool and strategy of like, if I could divide them, Mm -hmm. that would be amazing because he can't defeat us. So I think he tries to divide us. And uh, it's just hard to be guided when so many issues are becoming political issues, when a lot of them are biblical issues. I think it's another trick of the enemy to where, oh, we can't speak on that or we can't talk on that. And it's a lot of confused people in the next generation on, where do I go for research? Where do I go for sources? And we're trying to help people think. Even think actually stands. It's with a Q, by the way, mm-hmm. for those that don't get to right, see right, it. Right, 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 right. Um, think with a Q. And it used to be Q, which stood for questions. But even the T-H-I-N uh, stand for theology. And we want to bring whatever complex, mm-hmm. uh, even controversial issue, like what's the theology behind this? What does God think about this? Uh, what's the history behind this conversation? How has it changed over the years? Uh, inquiry. We want to mm-hmm. be asking good, right questions. Uh, nuance is huge. I think that's, uh, and we need to be able to have nuanced conversation. It can't just be trying to crush the other side right. or humiliate mm-hmm. the other side. And then we ask the best questions. And so that's the hope is to help people think well and mm-hmm. bring wisdom to the conversation. Yeah, yeah I Great. think, you know, a lot of the issues we've seen it was we're working with students here on campus and different things like that is, um, this might be a little philosophical, I feel like there's such a, that people are trying to convince them that they lack things, right? That that's like across the board, social media is like, oh, you're never going to have a good enough job. You're never going to have a house. You don't have the skills. Like everybody, and obviously, you know, that's a marketing tactic to sell you something, yeah. right? You don't have something, but you, you like have... create that itch. Right, create that. It make you believe that you are missing yeah, something, yeah. even though you're not, right, across the board. And so teaching students how to be content, how to be, you know, that they're, that they are okay, right? That we're living in one of the greatest times it's ever been and all that kind of stuff. So in your conversations, do you see that pattern or what are some of the other patterns you see with this generation that really kind of speaks to them? Well, and yeah, I think on that, if there's uh, this idea that you're missing something, I would also say we probably have, there's just no way that any generation has been able to deal with comparison to right. the level that this generation has. Right. Um, I, what I don't like to do is demonize technology hmm. as the inventor of comparison because it, sure. it was alive right. and well, well before like Cain right. and Abel, right. uh, Saul and David. Mm-hmm. We, it's so many people's lives. I mean, Cain and Abel, all humanity impacted right. by those decisions of insecurity and comparison. 
so much, I like to think, what if Saul was secure? Like, mm-hmm. what would have that looked like yeah. um, if he could have? Um, I heard you guys are are really big on the revival of yeah. pickleball here. Yes, um, oh yes. And yeah. uh, I actually sometimes challenge the the idea that it has to only be the baton pass. I think sometimes maybe pickleball is a better analogy because right. it, it has it puts a lot of pressure and stress on this one window of time. But I, yeah. I like to think, what if Saul? was secure and David did get a little more credit, but at the end of the day, it was for God. Yeah. And I think it does require that security in this generation. Mm-hmm. If, if you feel anxious, if you feel like you're missing out, mm-hmm. if you feel like you don't know your identity or or what's the big win, then yeah, th- I think the world can sell a lot of things to them. But uh, they say this generation has OCD more than any other generation, mm-hmm. um, obsessive comparison disorder. Right, right. And I really think it's important to help them have this sturdiness uh, mm-hmm. quickly. I mean, what I try to really tell young people is you need to frame the question of success differently. Like, mm. especially you're talking about post-college because after college, there's like a stress of, Oh yeah, oh, I got to get oh, a job yeah. now. I got to pay off uh, right. whatever debt I may be in. I, I want to find a job. Like I've been going to school for years now to right. get to this point. And mm. my parents are getting on to me um, that mm. there's that pressure that first couple years of like, can I find a job remotely close to what my major was in? Right. And if you don't, or if it takes longer than you think, you might start asking. I know at that age, I was asking the question, man, am I where I thought I'd be sure. by this age? Right. And they'd be like, no. Then the next day. Because right. yeah, I think we sometimes have those introspective yeah. thoughts when we put our head on our pillow. We can distract ourselves yeah. all day with friends, with social media, but then end of the day thinking like, is this where I thought I'd be? Mm-hmm. And often the question, the answer is no. And I just try to reframe the question to not am I where I thought I'd be, but um, was I faithful today? Yeah. Like, was I faithful today with the people that God put in front of me? And was I faithful today with the work God put in front of me, the responsibilities? And all of a sudden, those there's a compound interest, I think, to answering it that yeah. way. But if not, then yeah, you're going to be moved to whatever the new thing is mm-hmm. um, and feel this anxiousness that you're you're missing out. Right, right. right. And I, th- I love that idea of, of to be faithful in the present, right? To be grateful for what it has, but faithful to what God has in front of you. And for a generation that like, you know, between all the different things with college and between, I think, I think one of the unique things that this generation deals with, probably even more than I remember when I was graduating, that was only 10 years ago, is right through social media, you see the first 21 year old millionaires, right? 22 year old, to your point, it's like, yeah. am I, why am I not that? But the idea that if you're just faithful to where you're at, that's not the goal anyway, mm-hmm. retraining them on, on what success yeah. is from there. Well, even Jesus teaching the disciples, like they're asking literally just simply, how mm-hmm. do we pray? Yeah. And for him to say, give us this day. Like, yeah. So right many of us it, think yeah. about the even the, at least the week yeah. um, or the year, or like mm-hmm. what's my goals for this year? But for him to say, get, just today, just give us this day. I like to think about manna and how it didn't, it was just today. And then Jesus himself saying, don't even worry about tomorrow. It has mm-hmm. its own worries, its own anxieties. Yeah. So there seems to be this daily obedience. And for me, that's really helped me as I shifted a little bit after college where I felt like it was less stressful. I could take on um, thinking just about today, especially if I knew God was with me in that day. But if I'm thinking, am I where I want to be, which I think is just the wrong question. And like we stopped wanting to be where we wanted to be once we gave our life to Christ. That's why we gave our life to Christ is because we were kind of hitting a wall probably trying to do it our own way and so it is it is i i'm i love that y'all's name is framework like legit i've i think teaching people practical frameworks to reframe i think the enemy tries to do a lot of those half truth questions and framing it a certain way so that you fail and god often jesus like he didn't always say hey it's the opposite of what you think often it was like it's just a different frame of 
uh, that same topic. Yeah. So, so let me ask you this: How how can older uh, generations, you know, help this, you know, generation deal with this anxiety and 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 stress? What do bosses, what do leaders really need to know to lead this generation effectively? I would say. One of the easiest ways is to invite them into your world. Uh, there's a lot of things that, I mean, if I could ask you, who was there someone when you were young yeah. who invited you into their Absolutely. world just to be around them? Because they right. say discipleship is caught more than it's taught. And there, I mean, was there ever a lesson that you learned from someone older who let you just follow them, shadow them, and they never technically said, hey, you should learn this from this. Right. You just like That's... mentally decided mm -hmm. this is how they carry themselves in this situation. I'd love to know if you have someone like, because oh, I only absolutely. think it's a Gen mm -hmm. Z thing. I think it's just how we develop oh, leaders. I have several that yeah. did that in my life and literally transformed the way I do life, yeah. even today, Yeah. because he, or, you know, they took the time to invest in me by letting me be a part of who they are and what they do and allow me to learn, to observe, to discover, Yeah. you know, so absolutely that made a huge difference in my life. and. Mm -hmm. I actually write about it mm -hmm. in a lot of my yep. books, yep. you know, because that's important. Um, modeling that, you know, and and uh, and including, mm -hmm. you know, people to be a part of community that you have been able to be successful in. Yeah, yeah. And I think, well, this is what you're doing a lot with the initiative network, right? So different things like that, trying to bring, mm -hmm. tell us a little bit about that. And obviously, you know, sound off on, on your passion for, for discipleship and mentorship. Yeah, yeah. so initiative, uh, I started that when I was 24 and it was mm -hmm. like basically... Honestly, I did it because I was lonely as a leader. I, mm -hmm. I had started hearing that statement, leadership is lonely, and um, I've, I don't like it fully. I want to almost say leadership can be lonely. Mm -hmm. I don't like accepting that it has to be lonely. Right. But at the time, it, it just hit home. I was like, I personally do think it's really hard for young Christian leaders today because half your generation often has left the faith. Mm -hmm. um, I know when I was a young leader that just got saved in high school, I think of the kids who were leading the youth ministry um, with me. It was this huge, mm -hmm. almost thousand-person youth ministry, and unfortunately, there's a lot of them that are not in church today, and that that's hard for me to see, like, so many leave the faith that you don't have many options of friends. Then the ones that are, let's say, still Christians, not all of them have, by the grace of God, gotten to find their calling, and, and like, even you, Michael, like, mm -hmm. you've been thrust into big responsibilities at a really yeah. young age, mm -hmm. and so when I meet other young leaders, I was like, oh, so you know what it's like to be the youngest in the room, or yeah. you know what it's mm -hmm. like to travel a lot yeah. or to just have to step up all the time. Yep. And I wanted to meet who are the other ones who have been thrust into leadership at a young age in whatever industry. Some yeah. of them were speakers, some authors, some musicians, some pro athletes or mm -hmm. actors. It was all these different industries. And I really developed a heart for God is moving in a lot of other Christians' lives, even outside of the church. Right. Yeah. And I really want them to be equipped uh, as missionaries, especially if there's fewer going to church, then I, I feel like it's tying our hand behind one back to just like train up Christian pastors and not yeah. train up Christian missionaries and culture. And so I started doing retreats, found some of my closest friends. The first retreat was just 12 guys. To this day, eight of them are some of my closest friends. To wow. get an idea, yeah. Noah Heron planted a church in uh, yep. Nashville three mm -hmm. weeks ago. He was a guy who's just a couple years younger than me. Now I'm like, I'm all in. I'm your free member that's basically going to work for you because I mm -hmm. want to really help you plant this church yeah. just today. Um, I was speaking of the staff. There's a church in Orlando called LifeBridge. Mm -hmm. He's a 30-year-old pastor of a church of 3,000 people, wow. one of the youngest guys I know of a church around that size. <clears throat> and I know we would all say that we are where we are today big time because over the last six to seven years, we had these friendships. Mm -hmm. And so after the first year, 
a lot of other people were like, how do we get into this group? And I just started realizing kind of that Blackaby principle he talks about, don't just create something out of, you can just see where is God mm-hmm. already moving. Right. And I kind of see it as like throw gasoline on fires. God's already naturally starting. Yep. So I shifted my entire ministry of initiative towards mm-hmm. that. And then when I met Gabe Lyons yep. and realizing he's also doing that, I kind of liken it to William Wilberforce. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. We were very, both of us driven by the idea of getting leaders in culture, committing to community together, mm-hmm. and then seeing what can we impact in culture together that I was like, let's just do this together. I have millennials, but I'm getting older and I'm starting to focus on Gen Z. Mm. He's got a lot of Xers and some boomers. Mm. That I was like, we could have a like a leadership pipeline for some of the top young leaders. Mm. So imagine if you're 19 and now I'm getting to see it. And like, an, I saw you guys have interviewed uh, Tim Tebow. Yeah. Um, he was at one of our things and I had an Olympic athlete that was there and a couple other mm-hmm. athletes, but they were like, one of them was 17 years old. For them wow. to get to meet someone who's 10, 15, years ahead of them yeah. and just saying, hey, here's how you navigate. Like, I don't know if y'all saw the Swamp King. Yeah, 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 like, yeah. that's a unique culture. This right. man had to navigate faith exactly. in right. and to be like, hey, I know what it's like, but this is what I did. This is how yeah. I said it. I mean, you, it's going to shift the trajectory of so many young people's lives. And, and speaking of that, how, how can um, young ministry leaders and you know college students actively seek out and benefit from mentorship opportunities in these fields where they can go after that, so to speak. How, what are some good strategy moves, how to do that? Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's so funny. I I actually try to uh, trick, sorry, mm-hmm. I try to train young people to trick older people into discipling To do them. that, yeah. sure. Yeah. I would recommend to any young leader, especially after college, because it's it's like a, almost a free internship, but lo- Lord willing, it's truly a mutually mm-hmm. beneficial thing is um, I try to find what is it, who's ahead of me five mm. years, 10 years, right. 25 years? Like, who do I admire? They're a person of faith, but they're doing what I one day want to do, whatever industry it may be. And then is there a way for me to be around them or get connected to them? But especially the big, big question is, what do they like to do for fun? Mm. Um, like, I know Justin Lathrop is, is here. Yeah. I, I know over the last couple of years, this man has obsessed with pickleball. Yes. <laughs> right. um, and so I think if I was trying to trick my way into getting discipled by Justin, I'd be like, man, I just, I, I heard you like pickleball. I'm really trying to get into it. I would even... To give you a story, there was an architect uh, for Walmart who's been a part of a lot of major films that he's, uh, I can only imagine, and um, the Jesus Revolution, as well as like IGM, he's done a lot with them, and he liked to run. And so I actually, um, I told him, like, I met up with him, which took months to even get a meeting, because the ones we want to be discipled by or mentored by are really busy. So I took months to get of time, because we had to keep canceling and rescheduling, because his schedule... But I saw on Instagram, he loved, like many people that love to jog, for they no one jogs without talking about it. Right, and so right. they have to share that they jog. So I saw it, and I told him, hey, man, I'm really trying to get into jogging. I texted yeah. him that night. I had already asked him, could I start meeting with you more regularly? He's like, I don't know. I could tell. It's like my, my schedule's too busy. But when I text him the thing about jogging, immediately text back, if you're serious about it, let's meet wow, tomorrow at great. 4. Yeah. yeah. And so 4 o'clock, let's meet. And yeah. I, I was like... Was that I, in the morning or at night? <laughs> well, I, I, I thought surely, like, that's all joggers. It's just the fact he said, are you serious about it? So yeah, I, I show up. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, all right. So I show up the next day, 4 a.m. at his office, downtown Dallas. Wow. And I love to say all this is like my best discipleship story, but... This man did not show up. <laughs> like he, I'm there for an hour wondering, like, hey, are you coming? Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. And he's like, all right, I'm so sorry. I'm going to go home. And then at 7, 8 a.m., he texts me, and he's like, I'm so sorry. I should have been clear. 
4 p.m. is what uh, I did meet. Yeah. <laughs> so I wish I wish I would have texted back what sure. you just said. Right. Yeah. Um, but as a young leader too, I was like, yes, this guy now knows mm-hmm. I am so serious about getting That's time oh, with yeah, them. Right. And yeah. if I say I'll be there, or I'm down to even be there if it was 4 a.m. Yep. But I I think I I have story after story of like mm-hmm. how to find someone and then find what they like and then join them. But I think it's yep. crucial to not yeah. make them move their mm-hmm. life, which is busy around you. But like the disciples, Jesus didn't move his life around the disciples. The disciples moved their life around him. Yep. And I think that's the crucial part. Ideally, in what they like to do, and that's a starting point, then as you get to know them, they may say, hey, you want to come to uh, with this mm-hmm. or come to this? And and all of a sudden, it's this robust experience. I love it. So love good. it. It's love powerful. it. And so what, what should... I, I mean, you know, there's so many incredible people out there. I, I feel like a lot of times young leaders can get a little bit of like that kind of analysis paralysis, especially around mentorship, right? Like everybody's like, oh, I know I got to find a mentor, but how do they know, hey, this is this is someone to kind of lean into. I should pursue that with that, you know, that kind of thing. What what kind of advice would you give to a young leader trying to look for that mentorship? Yeah, as in like, they're just assessing it too much and just needs to make the first move and just start with who they have. Is that kind of the challenge? Right, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. and how do they know that this is a person to actually ask for mentorship? I mean, not, you know, how do you actually evaluate like, oh, okay, this is someone I should lean into versus you know, across the board from there? I mean, I'm pretty decently low bar in that it's like, what is my... <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, right. hey, no, I, I honestly, I always say we do not have a next-gen problem. We have a discipleship problem. So yeah. if, if you have any opportunity for discipleship, take it. It yeah. is also, I would guarantee, like you said, you have many stories, Dr. Right. Engel. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say probably the yeah. same for you. I would assume you are a right. big role in his story that I've just found there's a common denominator of the most high-capacity young leaders I've ever met. Yep. And a lot of times, just the most high-capacity leaders I've ever met always have not not mm-hmm. that they sometimes almost always have someone older in their life that right. saw something in them at a young age yep. uh pushed them to like mm-hmm. identified a gifting verbalized yep. it then pushed them into a responsibility and then maybe even eventually saw that in-house and yep. then said i'm gonna put my neck on the line and, and recommend you to mm-hmm. others and yep. it's like that door opener that gift seer that person is huge and yep. Um, there's like a thousand sermons we've heard on our lifetime that we unfortunately can't recall, but we'll never forget the people that did that right. for us. Right. My personal opinion is that's why Saul and David, why David, I think, partially never wanted to forsake Saul. Is mm. Saul David's story pre-Saul was a story of a lot of rejection. His right. own mm. dad didn't see in him. Yeah. It's like his own dad yeah. didn't even put him on as a choice, not to say this is the guy, just even an option to be picked. Right. Um, his brothers didn't even like when he was there. He's like, what are you even doing here? Like, yeah. they're like, go back home. He, he was only mm-hmm. there to bring food. And then Saul, which, I mean, the church today often doesn't um, sometimes give young people the biggest responsibilities. If yeah. you kind of think about it, I think it, young people, I believe, are sometimes leaving not because mm-hmm. they're getting asked to do too much, but far too little. Right. While, like, you could join the military and you can handle some, like, huge equipment that costs yeah. so much money could even join yep. uh, a nonprofit in another country and represent, like, mm-hmm. as a 19 or 25-year-old. But if you join a church today, sometimes it's yep. like they're seen as, okay, yep. parking ministry, or do you want to do kids' ministry? And there's a generation that I think sometimes right. we're losing these active, passionate young mm-hmm. leaders to the world and the culture because yep. they're like, come and do this. Come change the world. Come mm-hmm. uh, stop this person from doing these bad things. And so long way to say anywhere you can start but how I kind of define discipleship is frequently following someone who is spiritually a couple steps ahead of yeah. you. And why that matters is 
who I'm looking for is who's a couple steps ahead of me. Yep. It's ideal if they're a thousand steps ahead, but anyone mm-hmm. who's just a couple steps ahead, I also like to reverse that for any older people that ever listen and like, man, honestly, I've never discipled. And we also need to acknowledge right. there's a lot of people that have never been discipled and it is hard to do something that you never received. It's even yeah. un- unfortunate. Like I'm sad. I used to kind of be like, oh, Xers like in mm. boomers, you guys dissed millennials for mm. so many years about participation trophies and skinny jeans. Mm. And <laughs> when did you guys ever disciple us? Or you guys made right. up participation trophies we're, and then blamed right. us to get later. Like I w- all of it was true. And then I, I started having some people say, you know, also we weren't discipled. It's not like mm. we decided not to disciple. It's just yeah. we've lost the art right. and the norm. We haven't normalized it in a long time. Yeah. And so what I would flip it and say, what I found is there's a lot of um, older leaders that will feel like unqualified to do it. Mm. And again, the reframing of the question, because I think the enemy is, you're not qualified, are you? Right. No, I don't feel qualified. But I think the question is, are you spiritually a couple steps ahead of this generation? Right. And then it's like, yeah, absolutely, I right. am. And so you have a lot to offer. Right. Well, and I think, I mean, going back to the David story, what I love about that story is David knew that Saul was the guy to learn from just because of the anointing. Right, so like even though this guy is so like good. throwing yeah. spears at him, right, throwing him out of his house, all the different stuff like that, he's still saying, "No, you're, it's, you are God's anointed. I'm not going to lift a finger. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to." And I think, you know, we to your point earlier, we were talking about we live in this culture where everybody's dividing everybody against everybody, right? So th- it's not cool to be respectful to someone older than you. It's not cool to be respectful to your manager, right, at a retail store. It's not cool to be respectful to your senior pastor, right? Everybody else is talking about, oh, they don't have this, they don't have that. But that idea that, like, anybody who is in a position of authority over you is anointed by God to yeah. be in there. That's what the scriptures yeah. say. And so to have that respect is how you unlock the mentorship. And so the idea is respect the anointing, no matter what's going on in the person's life, what's going on around yeah. you. It reminds me of the verse of like work unto the Lord. Like, yeah, right. hey, if this is your season and this is where you are, then be yeah. all in. Yep. And, um, you know, I, I think I say this to young people a lot because you guys get to lead so many like the future leaders of our day. And I found at Christian colleges, sometimes being single is like the worst to them. Right. They're like, yeah, I yeah. just can't, I yeah. gotta get married. Yeah. I, do they say ring by spring here? Oh, yeah, right. they for do. sure. Yeah, yeah, everywhere. Everywhere. Oh, it's yeah. like a yeah. national yeah. saying yeah. in yes. Christian schools. Yeah. Um, like, gotta get married, gotta get married. And and um, I always t- tell young singles, like, hey, I know maybe mm-hmm. it isn't cool to go not hang out with all your friends and go be around someone older, even yeah. especially, it's cool if that person is really cool. It's like, right. oh, I get to travel with a big speaker, but it doesn't usually start there. No, it starts yeah. with um, some people in your church, potentially, or just some people you know at work, and you ask, hey, can, mm-hmm. yeah, I'll go hang out with you and your family or mm-hmm. whatever, and those moments are absolutely powerful. Um, and yeah. I, all that to say is I try to tell them, don't waste your singleness where you don't use it truly as a gift, because yeah. the thing they have is wisdom and experience. Right. The right. thing you have that they don't have is time. time. Yes. Yeah. It's like yes. you don't have to ask your parents for permission anymore. Right. Yes. And you don't yet, like my case, have yeah. to ask my wife for permission. <laughs> right. Like right. I can just go yeah. and use that time as much as you can. It's going to yeah. be the foundation that then you, as you lose your mm. time and you have the, the wisdom, you have the gifting, it's it's refined, you got your 10,000 hours potentially, you've building on mm. the foundation that you used in your 20s. But um, yeah, I just think it's crucial to use that time. Yeah. Um, very, very wisely, instead of like the not cool, I, I think you're going to be way further, way faster. And I always jokingly say, but it is true, mm-hmm. is let's say it's post-college, now you got to get a job, mm-hmm. now you got to do all these things, and now you're like, oh yeah, I do want advice, or I want insight. Yes. And I tell people, you know what's different? When you're in your 20s and you ask someone older that's wiser for advice and insight, especially a leader, leader 
um, they're like, oh, you remind me of myself at your age. Yeah, mm -hmm. I'd love to help. But if you ask them and you're like 30 or 40 or 50, mm -hmm. They might help you. It's just it's called consulting. Right, right, right. It's true. Man, this is a great, great wisdom, powerful wisdom. Yep. Uh, we're going to move into our fire round. This is where we get mm -hmm. to uh, ask you just a few quick questions surrounding kind of everything we discuss. I want to grab a few uh, practical, applicable pieces of advice for all of our listeners. So I think we'll just do three quick questions. So, Michael, you fire away the first one. Love it. Love it. So first question, you know, you were around a lot of new pastors right now starting planning churches. What do you think that if you're starting out in ministry, specifically vocational ministry, what do you need to know? What do you need to be thinking about in this kind of time? If you're starting out in vocational ministry, yeah. I think as much as you can is don't lose the motive, that yeah. the motive is to raise God's name. Yeah. Uh, I personally think there's a lot of kingdom energy going into just trying to keep up with what our friends are doing wow. or copy what our friends are doing for God's name. Mm -hmm. And that's where it gets the whole really hard because it's nuanced because even most of our motivation will often stay for God's name in ministry. But even any percent that's mm -hmm. not for God's name, it's not that that's not going to come. I do think it's mm -hmm. a it's a constant battle, but continuing to surrender that. Like uh, David Platt has a saying where he says something to the effect of, uh, we all are trying to raise God's name, but we subtly sometimes are trying to raise our name while we raise God's yeah. name. And I think that's the David and Saul dilemma yes. is David's name was getting raised more than Saul's name was being raised. But in God's kingdom, it's like, it doesn't matter just as long as God's name is being right. raised. We don't control whose name gets to be mm -hmm. raised. Uh, but even if you think of Peter, it's the exact opposite. It's like, I'm trying to decrease mm -hmm. so that he can right. increase. Yep. So if you can keep that, I think that's where the authority and the power comes from. I think anxiousness and striving comes from when you're trying to raise your name or keep your name to be same level yep. and pace as your friends or others. Love it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you touched on this. If you could go back uh, and tell your 20-year-old self one thing, what would you what would you say? That's such a good question. I can't believe I guess I'm getting old that I'm getting asked that question. I've never been asked that question. <laughs> if I could tell my 20-year-old self something, I would say be confident in who you are and be comfortable with who you're not. Uh, I went through a season, I think many leaders do, where you, you just want to copy sounding like your favorite leader, mm -hmm. leading like your favorite leader, doing what your favorite leaders do or your friends do. And just a season where I'm like, man, I got to find out what's unique about me and how do I lean into that? I want to be, I think the being confident in who you are is, is first part, but the harder part is being comfortable with yeah. who you're not. Right. Um, I often have to go back to Ephesians 4, 1 that says, uh, walk in a manner worthy of the calling in which mm -hmm. you have been called. I, that's like my counter scripture. If I ever feel comparison or I ever feel like I, I'm, I'm, I'm anxious is I'm just like, but am I walking? in a manner worthy of the calling which I've yeah. been called. Not running, mm -hmm. not striving. If that's Ephesians 4.1, I jokingly say Ephesians 4 dumb is when <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to run, run. Yeah, in a manner worthy of the calling my friends have been called exactly. or other yeah. people have been called. But if I can just walk, then all of a sudden I'm like, now I'm at the pace God wants yeah, me to be. So, so good. And that's, I mean, that's our mission here, divine design, man. Discover yeah. your divine design and you will be able to know uh, which path to choose and every opportunity that comes before you because mm -hmm. you know who God made you to become and yep. be. So, yeah, powerful. Love it, love it. Last Final question. Qu last question to round us out. What are the, what, in your opinion, what are the essential skills that people need to be investing in right now, If you're, especially if you want to be a great leader? It's a great question, Michael. Right now, honestly, in light of Asbury, in light of what mm -hmm. we're seeing God do with just college kids mm -hmm. here, and I'm, I love hearing that hundreds of people are day after yeah. chapel or are coming to pray. I just feel like 
we saw what happened at Auburn. Mm -hmm. I just was at an event in Orlando and like hundreds of kids, college kids giving their life to Christ before the altar call was even finished to say, hey, wow. come up. That I think God's moving. That's got me thinking a lot about what was the posture of the people in the midst of revival? Like right before revival happened, what was like their posture? And a lot of those things are the things that are like private faith matters, fasting, mm. prayer, anchored in God's word daily. Um, yeah, those are the things I'm meditating, Sabbath. They're all yeah. the things that no one really checks on. Right. Um, you just hopefully are doing, we all assume we are doing it, hope we are doing it. And you just, you just don't see any revivals without... Humility, repentance, of mass evangelism, mm -hmm. boldness, and like trust that the gospel is enough, and it's the most transformative thing. And so, that's uh, the essentials. I think at some point, unfortunately, sometimes I, I think I thought I graduated those things, mm -hmm. and as I'm getting older, I'm like, no, you don't ever graduate those. Yeah, they're not elementary. They're like the powerhouse things that are going to make everything else work out. I love it. Yeah, well, Grant, thankful that you could join us on the Framework Leadership Podcast today. Great wisdom. Great insights, and uh, I know uh, you provided a lot of good encouragement to our listeners. If you want to stay up to date with Grant, you can follow him uh, on Facebook, Instagram, and X at Grant Skeldon, at Grant Skeldon. Again, thanks for joining us. Yeah, absolutely. Have a great day, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us today on Framework Leadership. If you're watching on YouTube right now, now would be a great time to hit that like button, hit that subscribe button so you can get more leadership content right into your YouTube feed. You can also check us out on Instagram at Kent underscore Ingle at Dr. Michael Steiner or on Twitter and YouTube at Kent Ingle. And hey, if you love great email newsletters, and I know that I do, you want to check out the Framework Leadership Newsletter. Every single Friday drops in great tips to be a better leader, resources, thoughts right into your inbox. Check it out. You can sign up at kentingle.com. Make sure you hop on to there. Thank you so much for listening to Framework Leadership. Take care, everybody.